Welcome back to Rough in the Basket. Man, here as always, I'm accompanied by Brandon Carr, and we are ready to talk some NBA basketball. I know, breaking news, the podcast that has basket in its name that never talks about basketball is actually going to be talking about basketball today. Brandon Carr, what are your thoughts on that? Man, I think that's more breaking news than the, the trades that we're about to discuss. Hey, bro, what is it? Is this like the, is this the second or third weekend, third time in a row we've made a podcast that's NBA related? Where, listen, all those haters that came at us for, you know, the name being rough in the basket, not talking about basketball, which, you know, fair enough. We were talking about football for quite a long time. We're back, baby, with NBA, man. We had a great episode last week, kind of wrapping up the previous season and talking about the NBA finals. But coming at us, come on, we're, 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 we're making this, we're doing a bunch of NBA stuff right now because we have to, there's so much going on. So all those haters out there, I hope you're, uh, hope you're listening and I hope you're, uh, you're going to stay quiet now. Yes, sir. And we, we love the haters though. We love them here. We're up in the basket. So keep listening. Yep. If you're a hater and uh, critique us later, leave a few comments on some of our videos <laughs> helps the algorithm. So do it up. Sure. Uh, and check us out on YouTube if you haven't yet. Rough in the basket, all one word. Uh, it's youtube.com slash at rough in the basket. And uh, we're there. So got nine subscribers so far. We can only go from here. So check that out. Go, baby. Um, but you know who has a lot more than nine subscribers is uh, Bradley Beal. If he were to have a YouTube account, I don't know if he does. But he, uh, yeah, I mean, he got traded this last week and it was a pretty big blockbuster. Definitely not as much as they would have gotten back. A few, maybe a few years ago, they traded him a little while ago. But man, I I just want to say I don't want to toot my own horn too much here, but I do want to say I did last year when we were talking about the NBA offseason, some stuff that happened and the Bradley Beal extension happened. I said I literally said that he was going to be playing there for one season and then he was going to get moved. Then because I I hate this new CBA or maybe it's been there for a while where they have. Players get more money for staying in the same place. And I understand the incentive behind it. They want to incentivize players staying in the same market. I completely get it. By the same time, it just seems like seems like players, uh, they take advantage of that, get their money, and then a year later, they end up trading somewhere else. That seems like what's been happening. So I feel like maybe that's something the NBA should change long-term. But going into this deal, so... Brandon, do you have the details in front of you? I think I do if you do not. I can read them out. But- I got it. And what was your reaction to this trade after you read out the details? All right. So Chris Paul, well, we're going to talk about him because he got ended up getting moved today as well. But so Chris Paul had gotten traded to the Wizards and along with it was Isaiah Todd and Jordan Goodwin. And the the Wizards, they also ended up getting, I think it was six second round picks four first round picks all the first round picks are pick swaps so which if you don't know what those are the the team that gets those first round picks they can they get the better whatever it ends up landing on in the draft lottery or wherever it's placed in the draft they get the better draft pick um but yeah all the way up until 2030 the phoenix suns do not have any more draft picks i think they pick we're recording this on the day of the nba draft i believe they pick in the second round tonight and then after that they have nothing uh for the next seven years which is crazy but obviously Bradley Beal ends up going to the Phoenix Suns that's the big ticket prize in this whole thing gave up Chris Paul gave up a couple of other role players like Andrew Shamit and he gave up a plethora of draft picks um you know I guess my reaction to this is Bradley Beal listen the Wizards I completely agree with you they should have gotten rid of Bradley Beal two or three years ago at this point, like I respected him for kind of wanting to, I think he wanted to kind of stay in Washington, but man, really screwed over the wizards of being able to get more for him because of that no trade clause. But honestly, now with the, with the details today, with them getting four first round pick swaps, getting six second round picks, it's not too bad. You're, you know, you're loading up on, on draft picks. You're a team that's clearly not going to be a contender for a while. And you're kind of in this tanking, rebuilding mode. You kind of want to get as much draft picks as you can. For the Phoenix Suns' point of view, I mean, you got three really high-level scorers. Bradley Beal is a guy who's averaged 30 points per game in a single season. Devin Booker is obviously, I think, pretty a pretty similar player to Bradley Beal, but another really good scorer. And then you got Kevin Durant, who's maybe considered one of the best scorers in the league, you know, and has been the best scorer in the league and for a few near, for a long time now. So. You know, it's it's a really good team in terms of scoring. 
they still have DeAndre Ayton as well, who I feel like that they're probably going to end up moving and maybe trying to get more draft compensation or try to kind of fill out the 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 team a little bit more in terms of their depth. Um, they definitely should do that. I'm not I'm not the biggest DeAndre Ayton fan. He's a solid center, but I feel like that would be a pretty decent move if they can kind of fill out their team a little bit more. But I still I I know I said last week the Phoenix Suns this was even before the Bradley Beal moves that I do like them to make it to the NBA finals. They definitely can do it, but defensively, I feel like they're not going to be as great. I think that was a pretty glaring hole in the playoffs too. They weren't that great defensively. Bradley Beal really doesn't help that out. And another big thing too, with this trade is can he stay healthy? Kevin Durant hasn't really been healthy. Bradley Beal last season didn't really play a lot too so health is going to be a big concern with this team i think moving forward as well um so if they can stay healthy they're going to be obviously a really great team in in terms of their offensive scoring i do worry about their defense though i feel like their defense could really take a hit especially you know just having just their defensive woes last season and not really addressing that side of the court in terms of the offseason there's plenty of time they could still do something they don't have any draft picks but you know maybe that maybe the deandre and trade can get them some better defensive players or whatever um but yeah so do i like this trade i like it for the wizards point of view just kind of getting rid of beal we'll talk about porzingis as well um and chris paul later in this episode but um yeah i mean for the sun's point of view offensively it's great defensively i definitely worry and then you know they definitely need a point guard now with not having chris paul they need someone to kind of run the show uh so we'll see who ends up taking that uh responsibility but yeah so i'm just curious i'm curious to see how it plays out but we'll see you know what i'm going to say to the Suns about this is have you not learned from what happened with the nets have you not learned um, look, you put three very good players that were all ball dominant players in the same arena. They only had the patience to play. What was it? 20 games with each other. Did they even make it 20 games playing all together? I don't, it was, close. It, was, close. It, was it was something like that. Um, but obviously played more, uh, accumulated games, or I should say maybe two of them played and one of them was injured or something like that happened. But, uh, yeah, they played only about 20 games together. So with that being said, like the Nets literally gave up all their draft capital to make that happen and it didn't work out for them. And now they are going, they're trying to do what they can to rebuild as quick as possible and get back a lot of that lost draft draft capital while still trying to at least be a respectable team and at least be, I don't know, maybe like a 35, 40, 45 win team and at least be a fringe playoff team because they have no motivation to lose because their picks are completely deteriorated. And like the Wizards are going to, or sorry, the Suns are going to have some picks in, I believe, 20, 27 or 29, whatever it was. They're going to have four pick swaps, so they will still have the worst of those two picks. But still, I mean, let's say they they do awful, right? They have a bad season. Three years from now, all three of those players are off the roster, and they have a terrible season, finish one of the worst records in the NBA. They're not going to get that pick. It's going to go to the Wizards. So, They kind of screwed themselves over with this pick. I think also a big thing in the NBA, which I I was talking to Jason and uh, Peter the other day about this, is that death now is becoming more crucial in the NBA. And I keep seeing this over the last few years. The champions who have won it have had fairly decent death, whereas it's not it is a superstar driven league. Don't get me wrong. You have to have superstars on your roster to be able to win, but you need to have guys surrounding them that are able to score the basketball, that are able to pass the ball, that are able to rebound, that are able to play defense. You need to have those guys, especially guys who can play, um, you know, three and D basketball, play defense uh, at a decent rate, and then be able to score the basketball from the three ball. And unfortunately right now for the Suns, they have 161 million in cap uh, in cap that they've already used up with Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. So that's not very good for them. I mean, their their best bet is just to sign 34-year-olds, 35-year-olds that are uh, ring chasing at this point and that may be very well deteriorated and may have injury issues. And speaking of injury issues, Kevin Durant has had his fair share of injuries the last few years. He, I believe just he just turned 34 years old not that long ago. He's 33, one or the other. Still getting up there in terms of basketball years. Bradley Beal. He's had his injuries on and off the court. And then Devin Booker, uh, he is the most durable out of all of those, but he has also somewhat had his injuries here and there. So 
I have a lot of questions about this team. And if somebody were to ask me right now their prediction for them, I think they're going to make the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to be a pass the second round. I don't think they're better than the Warriors. I don't think they're better than the Lakers. I don't think they're better than the Nuggets. Uh, I don't think they're better than the Kings, to be quite honest with you. Wow. I, I really – I don't think they're that good, man. I really don't. I think wow. these – and that's nothing taken away from these players and what they've been able to do on the basketball court. I'm not taking it away from them. They're very talented players. But putting talented players without any kind of depth on your roster in that situation, all they're all ball dominant, mind you, does not work out. And we've seen this in recent years in the NBA. Wow, dude, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it could definitely fall flat on their face completely if, you know, Beal picks up an injury, Durant picks up an injury. Like, those are two guys that really haven't played a ton of basketball um, in terms of the regular season. You're going to really need them to be healthy in the in the postseason. That's the big thing. And then, obviously, like I mentioned, the defensive woes were there. They weren't really a great defensive team last year, especially in the playoff run. And, you know, that that the defense is, like, one of the most important things to have in the playoffs. Like, I know the Nuggets weren't the best defensive team, but, like, you know, that something like that is, I think, really crucial, especially in the playoffs and, you know, not being a really great defensive team, you kind of just kind of put yourself in a hole. So it's crazy though. Wow. That's coming in with the hot take right there with the Canes. <laughs> I respect it though. Um, But yeah, I guess to kind of like wrap up this topic, I mean, like I said, the injuries, I think that's going to be a big concern. Who's going to be the starting point guard for this team? I think that's something that's going to be addressed. And, you know, I definitely feel like DeAndre, and I think is, I think he's probably going to get moved. I feel like that would be the best thing to do is if they trade him, gets, get a start, starting point guard, or just kind of fill out the rest of the team. You really need to get some bench depth in there. You just need to kind of fill out the rest of those holes. DeAndre, a and I think is a solid enough center to kind of get you some depth pieces, a team, you know, that I don't really know what team he could end up getting traded to. Uh, maybe the Indiana Pacers, since they were interested in him last year, maybe that's the phone call they make again, or we'll see. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what ends up happening. But yeah, I mean, I think the ceiling is this team could definitely win a championship, but obviously the four is, I think, like you said, they can get eliminated in the second round or maybe even the first round. It just depends on health and, kind of depends on what else the Suns do um, at this point. Yeah, and also, like, we haven't even talked about their head coach, really, uh, hiring the guy that they hired, uh, Frank. Frank Vogel, yeah. Vogel, right. Like, is he really an upgrade from Monty Williams? Like, we talked about last week. No, he's not. Probably not. I mean, look, like, he won a championship, but then again, yeah. had LeBron, had had AD. Had he's a, a solid coach. Yeah, he's he's, he's not a bad head coach, but do he's I think he's coach. better than Monty Williams? He also had a failed tenure in Orlando a lot of people forget about. He wasn't able to bring people together for that. So now, do I think that he's going to be able to help these superstars all gel together? No, to be honest with you, I don't. But we will... uh We'll move on and we'll talk about another trade that went down. You want you want to talk about the Chris Paul trade actually because that's kind of related to what we're talking about right now. I know we're. Yeah, I think that would be actually a great segue. So how about we do talk about that Chris Paul trade? So, <laughs> the NBA is just it's crazy, man, to kind of just see these moves. It's it's really like one of it's probably the best league in the world to be honest with you in terms of like the drama and all these moves that we end up seeing happen. Um, but yeah, so Chris Paul ended up getting moved to the Golden State Warriors. You tell me in like the year 2015 that Chris Paul and Steph Curry would be teammates. That is insane to me. The Wizards ended up, so like I mentioned, Chris Paul, he ended up getting traded to the Wizards in that Bradley Beal deal. Quickly flipped him. They ended up getting Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, a 2030 protected first round pick and a 2027 second round pick. Um, I think the 2030 protected first round pick is a top 20 protected pick. Um, yeah, this one really caught me by surprise. Um, Chris Paul is a warrior. Uh, they're not going to buy him out. According to some reports, he's going to play with this team. So he is there. Um, I assume that he's going to be the sixth man coming off the bench. You have Curry, you have Clay, Andrew Wiggins. We'll see about Draymond Green. I think that Jordan Poole is now gone. Maybe that entices Draymond Green to come back. Um, yeah, Chris Paul, he's, you know, at this point in his career, he's 38 years old. He's trying to win a championship. Why not go to the Warriors? You know, if that were really not under his control, but it was, a, I think, a really good landing spot for Chris Paul to go to the Golden State. He gets to come off the bench. And then, like, when Steph Curry's not on the floor or, like, if they bring back Draymond Green, like, somebody like that who kind of facil facilitates the offense they really need 
you know, that other guy, Jordan Poole, he's a good scorer, but dude, he took so many really bad shots. Like if you just watch Jordan Poole play, he'll have these games where he, he makes, you know, he scores like 30 plus points, but he's like super inefficient from the field. Like he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a solid player, but you know, I feel like Chris Paul kind of is a little bit more of a veteran presence and he's someone who can, I think, kind of run the offense a little bit better. And, you know, Chris Paul's going to, that's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm like curious to see like how it's going to look with like Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the floor together. Like Steph can kind of play a little bit more off ball. Like he usually is really good at, you know, running around, you know, coming off screens and just having these really good three point shot looks. Same thing with Clay Thompson. Like it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, again, he's someone who is kind of an agent player at this point. I do think that he's starting to decline. But, you know, maybe this is the rejuvenation that he needs. And obviously he needs to stay healthy, too. I know we keep talking about injuries, but Chris Paul is another guy who, you know, has had his fair share of injuries, especially at this old age. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. And then the Washington Wizards, they've been great this offseason. Shout out to their new their new front office, their new general manager. They're kind of just, you know, making moves and really kind of, you know, hitting the reset button with this team and kind of getting off of their players and, they're they're getting draft capital. They they got Jordan Poole, who again, his contract is is kind of ridiculous, but he's a younger player. He's probably going to score like honestly, I can see Jordan Poole scoring like 27, 28 points a game with the Wizards. Like to be honest with you, because he's going to probably be their best offensive player if they don't bring back Kyle Kuzma. I know they also have Tyus Jones as well, who they got from the Grizzlies, who's a really good point guard as well. But um, it's going to be interesting, man. Uh, I think the Wizards are. They're again, like I said earlier, they're they're hitting the reset button, they're rebuilding their team, and the best way to do it is kind of get off of these these contracts and kind of bring in some young players and get some draft picks. So, kudos to the Wizards for kind of doing that, and it's gonna be really exciting to see Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the same team. I I, again, if you had told me that in like 2015, 2016, 2017, any time in that era of basketball, I would have called you insane. I'm like, what? Are you serious? So it's going to be fun. Yeah, I love this trade for both teams. Um, I love it for the Wizards. Being able to get Jordan Poole, like Jordan Poole is a scorer. Did his attitude change after he got that contract? Definitely. Was he the same player after he got that contract? No, and that does concern me a little bit. But being able to get a player of that quality for a player that realistically probably 90% of fans thought was going to be bought out. And then to be able to get a protected first round pick and also a second pick in return for that player is incredible. So big win to the wizards and that for the the warriors. I love this trade for the simple reason that, I mean, all right, you probably remember this guy, right? Sean Livingston, the guy who came back. I think he came back from like a torn ACL or a crazy injury, whatever. Really, really like bad injury. Yeah. Yeah. And like his numbers, right? I was looking at his numbers. I thought they would have been a lot higher than they were just now. But uh, I was looking at them and he was only averaging maybe seven points a game, maybe like two, three assists a game for the Warriors. But what he was able to do for the Warriors went beyond the, the box score. Like I remember him being out there and he would bring the energy with that second unit. And he was able to, maybe he wouldn't get credit for a lot of passes, but he was able to set guys up on offense and be able to at least maintain that team when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were off the court. And they need somebody like that now. And look, Jordan Poole, during the playoff time, he was playing peekaboo with Draymond Green. He did not, dude, he did not want to be seen at all. He was hiding, bro. Like, I looked at his playoff stats just now. He was averaging like 10 points a game. He was shooting like 24% from three. He was horrific during the playoffs. He disappeared completely. And what matters most is how a guy, when you are at that level and you're playing for a team that is known for winning championships, what matters, not what you do during those 82 games in the season. What matters is in the postseason. And he was not able to contribute or help them out in any way, shape, or form during the postseason, and they had to get rid of him. So because of that, I think it was a big win for them to get back Chris Paul, a guy who can come in there and bring a bunch of energy with that second unit, and also less minutes for him, give that guy, you know, 18, 19, 20 minutes a game, prevent injuries from happening, and be able to really benefit with your second unit using a guy like Chris Paul I think that's going to be huge. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And I think this is big. This is, I would give it probably an A, probably an A for Golden State. And then I'll probably give it an A also for the Wizards. I think this is a win win. Yeah. I definitely think it's a, it's a, it's a win win situation. I think. Um, 
I mean, again, it could really backfire for the Warriors if Chris Paul misses time. But if you're going to give him less minutes a game and he's not having to do uh, not having to carry a really significant workload, then I think that's great for him. Um, I really hope he ends up winning the ring. Hate that he went to the Warriors because, you know, not the biggest Warriors fan here. But, uh, you know, I think it's definitely great um, for Chris Paul. And then <laughs> did you see? See the Jordan Poole unfollow Draymond Green on like Instagram as soon as the trade was announced. That to me is so it's just so crazy. Like, I mean, I understand Draymond Green literally socked you right in the face, bro. Like at a practice, and like obviously there must have been some tension throughout the entire season. He unfollowed him as soon as that trade got announced. Like that's crazy to me that he was just ready for it. Yeah, I hope like the Wizards. And the Golden State Warriors play on on Christmas or the start of the season. Usually, when there's a big trade like this, the NBA kind of does funny stuff like that, where they intentionally set rivalries up like this early on in the season. So I think we'll be seeing them early on in the season. I got a feeling. I can't. I, I'm definitely watching that game, even if I know it's the Washington Wizards. But like, I have to see it. I, I, there's gonna be a fight. Somebody's gonna chirp at somebody. Somebody's getting a technical. Probably both of them. Maybe one or two, both of them gets ejected. It's gonna be. It's gonna be heated, but. Yeah, that was just so funny that I saw that. But it's going to be fun. I think Jordan Poole in Washington is going to score you know, a good amount of points. It's going to be kind of fun, him just taking a bunch of shots, you know, and have these big games and have some games that he's not that great. He's a pretty inconsistent guy, but he's a he's a solid point player. So it'll be it'll be fun. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty much a, a win-win, I think, for both sides. Draymond Green getting technicals and getting ejected? Nah, no way. No, That's no way, right? Before, definitely not. No, he's a, he's a he's a citizen. He's he's a saint, you know. Yeah, he's never, he's never, he's never done something uh crazy like kick somebody in the balls or something. Definitely <laughs> has not happened before. Definitely never, not. no, never happened before. Never, no. never, never punched a teammate in the face. So. But uh, yeah, I mean, no smooth transition here. But there was another trade that happened with the, involving the Celtics, involving another <sighs> really gritty superstar, Marcus Smart. Yeah. And uh, man, R.I.P. to Marcus Smart Celtics career. Honestly, I I gotta say, I think he received a lot of flack that was really unnecessary. A lot of times. Fans did not appreciate what he did. I understand he would go in there and he would maybe go like one for five for threes in the first quarter or something. He would be taking these like. These half court shots, it was very unnecessary. I get it, but he was the heart and soul of that team on defense for a long time, and he kept them stable and he kept them, he kept them ready to go. And I think he he definitely deserves a lot more credit than he's gotten in his Celtics career. And a lot of those times where there was a three pointer where they had to hit, he would hit it a lot of those times. And I don't think Celtics fans have given him the credit that he deserves. I think this is another example of Celtics fans. And, and Boston fans in general being a little ungrateful for certain players that they've witnessed. But, you know, something I think this is a this is big move for the the Grizzlies getting uh, Marcus Smart and kind of inserting themselves in this picture last second when the, the deal fell apart with uh, the Clippers. Originally, for those that don't know, the Clippers were scheduled to actually acquire uh, a different Celtics player in Brogdon. Um, and that fell apart due to an injury that Brogdon has been suffering. So. They uh the Grizzlies hopped in there last second and said, Hey, give us uh Marcus Smart, we'll send you a first round pick or something like that, and we'll uh get this uh get this deal on the road and make sure that it doesn't fall apart. But Christoph Porzingis is a Boston Celtic now. I think that is huge, man. And you know what? Another example of Boston fans not being satisfied because I've read a lot of negative comments, a lot of negative fan reaction from this, dude. They have been chirping for years that they do not have a bona fide center or power forward that can score the ball. And finally, they have that. I mean, obviously, Jason Tatum, but he plays small forward too here and there. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that kind of goes everywhere, every position they need him to play. But they have a bona fide power forward, maybe center if you need him to play center. They have a seven foot three giant now that can score 20 points a game and they're still not satisfied. Dude, you're a Boston Celtics fan. I mean, I like the Celtics too. I'm not like, they're not my number one team. They're like my number two or three, but look, what do they have to do to satisfy you? I don't get it. What more do the Celtics fans need? I know, man. It, you know, honestly, when I, cause all right. So obviously there was the original trade with Chris Stapps going to the Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon going with the Clippers and then, it was like Marcus Morris and draft picks going to the Wizards. Um, yeah, man. Wow. That 
like when I saw Marcus Smart, like the the Woj or Shams tweet being like the Memphis Grizzlies have traded for Marcus Smart, I was like, no way. Um, yeah, Marcus Smart's the you know I know everyone says it, but he is the heart and soul of the team. I mean, he's the, been the longest tenured Celtic, and a lot of people like like you said, I think a lot of people do really have crapped on him and have really you know kind of given him a bad hand but you know he's he's a former defensive player of the year he's all defensive team three times and he was honestly like when he kind of became like the de facto starting point guard for this team he kind of really took um took a really big leap forward in terms of his playmaking so you know I think he like that's going to be missed on the Celtics because he was kind of that gritty guy honestly think Tim with the Grizzlies a really good fit too which is crazy but um you know, it's definitely going to be a loss uh, not having Marcus Smart. Um, Clippers really kind of screwed us over <laughs> a little bit because um, they couldn't get the doctors of Malcolm Brogdon, and that's what kind of ended up uh, canceling that whole trade. But, you know, Marcus Smart's gone, and, uh, you know, I, I really wish him the best. And he was he wanted to be a Celtic for the rest of his career. Um, you know, somebody who really liked the city of Boston, I think who really – just embrace the city of Boston. Like he was, a, he should have been a Celtic for the rest of his career. So it's really, it sucks. It does. Um, but you know, like I said, hope he gets, you know, uh, he has a good opportunity with the Grizzlies. Hope he has a good rest of his career and, you know, maybe the Grizzlies win a championship. We'll see. But uh, in terms of like what we got for Chris, for Kristaps Porzingis to come to this team, I think that was a really getting him and getting two first round picks. Like it was, a, I think it was a pretty solid like return for Marcus Smart pretty much. Like they gave up Marcus Smart to Nilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. Um, and then like, I think it was like maybe like a second round pick or something for Porzingis and two first. So not too bad, not too shabby whatsoever. Um, and, you know, Kristaps Porzingis is, I think is a good third option. He had his best season of his career uh, last year with the Wizards and, He's someone who, you know, can score in the post. He can score out from the three-point line. He's a, a good defender in the post as well. Like, he's a, he's, he's a really solid player, obviously, with him, too. It's injury concerns. You know, he's had injuries throughout his entire career. I know we keep thinking talking about injuries, but, like, these guys have legitimately injury concerns. Uh, so, given a Marcus Smart's not ideal. I do like it from the Celtics' point of view. I don't think Brad Stevens is done. I think Brad Stevens is probably going to end up. Now he has two first round picks to play with. I know Malcolm Brogdon, the reports are that the injury is really bad and it's going to be hard for the Celtics to move off of him. I do think at this point, he's probably going to be gone. I don't know how, uh, but maybe the couple first round picks can kind of entice uh, the team to make the move in order to, or team to kind of make a move and take on Malcolm Brogdon and get some picks. So, I don't think the Celtics are going to be done. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, and then for the Wizards, getting Tyus Jones, or who really filled it in nicely when John Morant was was not on the team last season. I think that was another great pickup for the Wizards, getting him and, you know, obviously getting uh, a little bit of draft compensation as well. So, yeah, losing Marcus Smart sucks, but I don't think the Celtics are done. So we'll see what they do in order to replace him in this uh, lineup. Because it's going to be hard to replace a guy like that who is so integral in terms of you know getting everybody else involved, passing the ball, playmaking, and then his defense and kind of hustle, it's hard to replace that. Yeah, again, the fact that they were able to get a very good power forward that's able to average 23 hit, um, 80, not 80, 38% from threes. I wish it was 80% from threes. I'm sure Celtics fans, I mean, even if he was hitting 80% from threes, Celtics fans still wouldn't be grateful for that is what it is. But, uh, you know, I think... Getting him and then being able to get two first round picks for him, I believe it's the third, 25th overall pick today. And then uh, yep. we're recording this during the draft, actually. So, uh, and then also they're getting back the 20. It's the first, first, pick, first round pick in 2024 from Golden State. I don't know if there's like some protections on that one, but it's a Golden State pick. Right. Just the fact that they're able to get those, those, uh, those picks back. For Christoph's Porzingis, well, while getting Christoph's Porzingis and adding him in there, I think that is huge. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this Boston Celtics team next year. I think they're going to be even better. So in other news, the NBA draft is actually about to start. It's literally 8 o'clock on June 22nd, Thursday. Yep. So and we're recording Rough in the Basket, so that really just shows our dedication to this. But I mm-hmm. uh, wanted to, instead of talking about you know some things that we think are going to happen with the draft, because there's really no point, because by the time this episode comes out, We'll have what happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
we're going to talk about our top seven players and then uh, give a stat line prediction for Wembanyama, Brandon Miller, and also Scoot Henderson and mm-hmm. see what we think of the top three. Because there's like the S tier where it's, it's definitely Wembanyama by himself. And then at A tier, we got Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. And then it seems like everybody else is kind of a, a class below, or at least in scout size. Obviously, we've seen in past drafts that uh, doesn't always work out the way that scouts believe that it will work out. Uh, case in point, shy uh, Alexander. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's talk about this. So uh, you want me to give you give you my seven in order or countdown or um yeah how about we how about we start with number one and go to seven because honestly I feel like well I think we both everybody probably has the same number one guy so I do not. I'm just letting you know I do not have one Banyama at no one. No way, I have really? A shocker at one, a shocker. And I'm gonna tell you why. I have a good oh, reason. But I wanna I wanna hear yours first. I wanna hear you talk about Wimbanyama. Wow, okay. Wait, that just completely threw me off guard. All right, composed. Um, well, I got Victor Wimbanyama number one. Um, you know, with him, he's like it's 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 just crazy to think about like the type of like the build that he has. Like he's seven four, two hundred thirty pounds with an eight foot wingspan. He can shoot the ball. I mean, like there's literally like barely any weakness to his game and he's like a unicorn like really like i don't know who you can compare him to like i've seen people say like he's like the modern version of like kareem or something like like it's it's crazy to like put that into perspective but like he's just a crazy crazy prospect like i don't think we'll ever see something like this before like ever again honestly i mean like a seven foot four player who can put the ball on the floor and dribble it can create his own shot can shoot the three is insanely good defender is super quick on his feet it can play on the perimeter like it's like absurd like how good he is like it's crazy um you know he's gonna be like obviously the injury like he can he's a you know seven foot four his lower body injuries could happen. I'm sure that probably might play into your take a little bit, which I can see happening, but that hasn't been a concern yet, really. So, you know, I don't know. I can't predict that yet, but it's crazy. You know, it, I don't know how good he's going to be as soon as he gets into the NBA, but he's already 19. Uh, he'll be 20, I think, at some point during the season. But it's, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, Scoot Henderson's my number two. Uh, Scoot Henderson. You know, I think I think most people would probably put him as their second best player, whether or not if, if you want to put Brandon Miller in there, sure. But Scoot Henderson is a, a very athletic guard. Uh, you know, he averaged 16.5 points per game, 6.5 assists to steal a game. He his three point shot needs to get there a little bit. He did improve, I think, to 33 percent from the field this past season um, for the G League at night. But you know, if he can develop a little bit more of a three-point shot, obviously that's going to add another level to his game. But he's an unbelievable athlete. He his potential is really high. Uh, he's gonna he's a great point guard prospect. I feel like that he's like a, you know, like a Derrick Rose, John Moran, Russell Westbrook type of player. He's six two, one ninety, hundred ninety five pounds. Nine, age he's nineteen. You know, so there's obviously plenty of room for him to grow, but. Yeah, he's he's going to be an, an, another great player, I think. And then I think Brandon Miller again. I think is he's my number three guy. Um, you know, another guy. Obviously, you know, he, with him, he's six nine. He's two hundred pounds. He kind of again can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot. Uh, he can create his own shot. He's a good scorer. Um, you know, he shot thirty eight percent from three uh, throughout his career. Eighteen point eight points per game with Alabama. Uh, he's again, another really good player. He, his goat is Paul George. And like, honestly, I feel like they're very similar players too. Like it's crazy kind of how, you know, he looks up to that guy and they're like both very similar players. So I could see that happening. Um, and then for me, you know, at number four, this is where things can kind of get interesting. I got Amen Thompson. I have the other Thompson brother, Amen. Uh, obviously, we got a couple of twins in this class too. Very unique class, but I got Amen uh, with the overtime. Uh, the overtime elite, I think. Um, you know, with them, the, with him, he's another great athlete. 6'6", 214, 16.3 points per game, six point two assists per game. He's a really, really good playmaker, and he has a lot of really cool passes. Like he's 
going to be someone who is can move the ball around, can get great open shots for guys. He's going to be a really good playmaker at the next level defensively to 2.4 steals per game. He's a crazy athlete, like I mentioned, can play multiple positions as well. Um, he's a very fun player, so I like him at four. Then a player I feel like that not a ton of people are talking about. I mean, maybe like a, a decent amount of people, but someone who I feel like isn't really talked about as a top five player. I have Anthony Black. Uh, he's a point guard from Arkansas. Uh, he's 6'6", 210. Uh, he shot, uh, he would average 12.8 points per game, 3.9 assists, 2.1 steals, 30% from three. A lot of people say he's like a Lonzo Ball type of player, which I definitely see with his size. He's also a very good playmaker. Um, his defense is really good, too. He's a, one of the better defensive point guards in this draft. Like, with having that size and just being good on ball or off ball uh, on the defensive side of the court, I think he's going to be really solid and good finisher. Um, doesn't create, like, a ton of, you know, of his own shots, but I think he's a pretty good solid. He's a solid player. I think he's going to be a good like pass point guard good size good defender he'll he'll be a good nba player um then i got cam whitmore uh from villanova 66235 uh in terms of his size he's only 18 he's gonna turn 19 when the season starts so a guy who's very young and someone who you know again a ton of room for him to grow good athlete again a guy who can kind of play multiple positions uh somebody who again is a really good athlete he's got a little bit of a jump shot too there and you know a good defender uh solid rebounder too um you know i think he's he's getting he, the the shooting he's getting a little bit better at like it wasn't quite something that he kind of had in his bag of tools but now he's kind of becoming a little bit of a better better shooter but Solid player. I really, I really think that he can be a good fit and for an NBA team. And then finally, my seventh best player. I'm going to go with the other Thompson brother. I'm going to go with Al Sir, who you know, pretty, pretty similar player to his brother. Um, they both are, both are six six. Both are around two fifteen, two eighteen. The stars two eighteen. Another crazy athlete, good defender. Um, two pretty similar players. I think of men brings that playmaking a little bit more. Um, but again, a really good player as well. So that's kind of my top seven. I really want to hear your top seven because you don't you know, don't have one Binyaba one, so I have to hear it. I'm going with – if we're going and we're basing this off of how we think players are going to develop, this is either going to make me look like a genius at one point or a complete idiot because this guy is not rated in the top ten. This is how deep I, I'm – yeah, I value this guy highly, and I'm going to give you reasons why. Hayson Wallace, all right? Let me tell you why. Kentucky point guard. Dude, you know where point guards come from? Kentucky. Like, point guards that make it in the NBA that are really solid guys. Now, I was doing some research, right? You know what? how many points per game Devin Booker averaged in in college at Kentucky? Uh, He averaged 10 points per game. 10 points per game. He was not good on defense at all. He actually looked pretty terrible at Kentucky, other than the fact that he shot the three ball really well. That's what kept Devin Booker in the draft class, really, and that's what really elevated his game to become a, a lottery pick was his three ball. Shy Alexander, right? We all know him. We all love him. Some people have him for MVP next year already and are putting in futures for him being the MVP of the next uh, NBA season. So with that being said, at Kentucky, he averaged 14 points a game. He was drafted 11th. He shot 40% from the three ball, all right? Really respectable. He averaged, I believe, a steal and like a steal point four point game per game or something like that. I didn't really look up that, but I know it's below uh case in stats with steals in particular. All right. Maxi, right? We all know him and we all love him. The, the 76ers, one of their point guards. He was drafted 21st overall. All right. He averaged 14 per game also. He averaged 0.9 steals a game, and he shot 29% from the three. So he wasn't a good three-point shooter. Tyler Hero, 13th overall, 14 points a game, and obviously he was killing it from the three. Wasn't that great of a defender either, right? So with that being said, let me tell you something. Casey Wallace is extremely underrated on a defensive end. He averaged two steals a game in college. That was better than all those guys I mentioned. He averaged 34% from three, which granted isn't as good as Booker or Shea, uh, Shea Alexander's, but better than Maxie's. So, I mean, 34%, that's pretty respectable for a a three-point shooter in college, good enough, right? Four assists, and he averaged three rebounds per game. So 
those are pretty comparable with those guys I mentioned. So I'm just saying, Kentucky knows how to produce NBA talent. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going based on the trends. And I see him, I'm not saying year one, he's going to win rookie of the year. That's not going to go to him. He's not going to be that guy that comes in there and instantly shines. I'm not going to proclaim that. But I will say three years from now, I think we're going to be looking back and we're going to say he's the best player in this draft class just based on his defense. And I think his three ball is going to develop. So that's my bombshell for the day. Wow. Dude, you might be the only person in the world who thinks that. Like, if you – oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, blown away. That was just not the player I expected you to name. Yeah, I know. Dude, I was doing all this research, and I'm like, bro, he's coming out of Kentucky. Kentucky has a really good track record of these guys going either in the lottery or right outside of the lottery and having very successful NBA careers when they have not maybe had the most successful college tenure. So I'm just saying, I see this happening. Um, Two, I got Scoot. I think three-point game is a little concerning, but look, being in the G League definitely showed us with uh, with Green and Houston being there that the G League does at least develop you to be ready for the NBA. I think we've seen this time and time again. And I think that he's going to be ready to play NBA ball. I think you will have a little bit of an adjustment there. But I think he's going to be a overall very good point guard. And I think his three-point shot is going to develop. Like, there's NBA point guards who have already expressed interest with working with him. So, I mean, the fact that there's NBA players that are already endorsing him that have been very serious in the league. One name is Steph Curry. He said that he was willing to work with him and even, like, promote a brand with him or something. So, with that being said, like, these guys see something in him. And I think scouts and also us fans should be very uh, adamant saying that he is going to be a good player and he is going to develop a three ball at some point in his NBA career because he's a hard worker. Three, I'm going to put Wembanyama there. All right. I'm not, the, the fall is okay, over. With Wembanyama. <laughs> I will have him in the top three just off of the sheer fact that he is a freak of nature. I am concerned with the fact that he weighs – I've seen him – like I've seen the disparity in his weight. I've seen some people say 210. I've seen some people say 230. But dude, this guy is seven foot four and he weighs about the same as me. So that's not a good sign. I'm just saying he's gonna get bullied in the post by these six foot eleven guys that weigh like 240, 250. I see this happening. I think he is gonna average two blocks a game his rookie year easily, just blocking these point guards that are maybe like six one to six four. I think he is gonna get those blocks that way but I think that there is going to be a wake-up call in terms of who exactly he's able to guard and how well he's able to guard them I think there is going to be a wake-up call I think his his first few years he's going to be viewed as a Rudy Gobert type player very similar obviously he came from France as well had a very similar build as when Banyama coming out to the NBA the only difference is when Banyama can stretch the floor decently, but he cannot hit the three ball yet at a consistent rate. And I think that's a question that with a lot of these prospects we're seeing, like, are they going to be able to develop the three ball, which is a concern, especially because in the NBA nowadays, it's a three and D league. We constantly talk about that. So he's going to be my three Brandon Miller. I think he's probably one of the safest players in the draft. As much as I hate to say it, I think he is probably going to be really well. And I could see him developing into a Brandon Ingram. I think he might have a slow development also, but I think he is going to become a Brandon uh, Ingram type player over the course of his NBA career. Five, I'll go Anthony Black. I also see what you see in him. I think he's going to be a good defensive player. I think he's also going to be really, really good controlling the offense and being able to pass the ball. I think his assist numbers are going to go way up in the NBA. Uh, six, I'm going to go Jarris Wallace. And seven, I'm going to go Taylor Hendricks. I do not have the Thompson brothers in here. I do not believe they're going to develop a three-point shot at all. And I think they're both wow. going to struggle in their NBA careers and both be defined as bust. I'm not a fan of either of them. I'm sorry. I know I'm just going against everything, you know, and love, but you know, I, I'm not a fan of them right now. And I hope they prove me wrong. I really do because the concepts of twins in the NBA has been pretty interesting. Obviously, we've gotten the Lopez brothers. We've gotten the um, Morris brothers, who everybody hates. We've gotten, uh, <laughs> you know, we've gotten some interesting twin combo. Oh, yeah, and who can forget the, uh, they're not really well known as a twin combo, but the Griffin brothers. Taylor Griffin did play a few seasons in the NBA, so it counts technically to an extent. So we have gone some NBA combos and also who are those guys from Kentucky? I believe they're from Kentucky, right? The, uh, who are they, man? I can't remember them now, but they were, 
Oh, dude, this is gonna bother me. Like, bell. I don't know. I'm probably we're probably both blanking right here, but yeah, yeah. There were two brothers that recently. One of them played for the Grizzlies for a little bit longer than the other brother. I can't remember their names right now, but they were in the 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 NBA for a little bit as twin brothers as well. So that's my top seven. I think it's gonna be an interesting class. And uh, yeah, I know it's so shocking what I said about Case and Williams, but Wallace, bro, Case Wallace, yes, Case and Wallace. You need to listen. I know you said he's not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he's plus seventy five hundred. So I think you need to put a couple dollars on that. I I will. I will put a dollar bill. I, I send me the ticket. I'll post it on social media. Um, yeah, wow, that, that was just not what I expected, but. He's a solid – I mean, Casey Wallace is a solid player. I've seen Drew Holiday comps to him. And, like, if he's, like, a Drew Holiday player, I mean, that's a really good player. So, but you seem to have, like, way higher expectations than Drew Holiday. So, damn, I was not expecting that. That's crazy, bro. That might be, like, the craziest take you've had on this show. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm just saying, man, I'm basing it off of history. And those guys that I mentioned had relatively similar numbers to him. So, and they all ended up very well in the NBA and all ended up uh, around the 11th through 21st pick, which is probably where he's going to end up tonight. So Fair, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of really good players that have been drafted outside the top 10. Like Kawhi was in that that range and Devin Booker, Giannis. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's possible, but wow, that was <laughs> – Wow. I like I, I'm like I was at a loss for words. I'm like, who is he gonna say is the best player in this draft? That's outside the top ten. Like, is he gonna say Grady Dick? <laughs> no, no. I'm actually I'm not that big of a fan of him, man. I think he's the next. I think he's the next shimmer for that dude. I really do. <laughs> wow. It's I have some really controversial takes for this class. I respect it though. Like, I mean, he could be. He's known as the best shooter, three point shooter in this class. So maybe, but. Wow. I also say another comp for him is Luke Kennard. I think he could be like a Luke Kennard type guy where he maybe plays, you know, 13, 14, 15 minutes off the bench. It's 42% from three and that's his career. So, yeah, Dude, that's crazy. Wow. So we <laughs> got, I know you're like flabbergasted right now. You're shocked. I'm sure the viewers at home are absolutely shocked and probably blown away. Blown away. Yeah, they're probably like, oh man, this guy, like, why am I even listening to this guy? He knows nothing about basketball, but just just bear with me. Wait, wait. We're, we're not years. this pod, we're not a podcast who just throws out hot takes to get views. Like, I, I know you truly believe that. <laughs> I do. I know that's the craziest thing. I really do. Uh, but so we are going to move on. We're going to try to – the top three prospects in the eyes of scouts, and the eyes of other NBA players, whatever, those top three, we are going to be talking about what we think their their stat line is going to be more or less. So we got to start with Victor Wembanyama. What do you think a reasonable stat line for him is in year one? I'm actually really interested to hear this. Oh, man. Um, you know, I was like looking back at some of like the rookie of the year in the past and – Honestly, like not a ton of them have averaged over 20 points per game. So I don't think I know how great of a prospect Victor Wembanyama is. I don't think he goes over 20 points. Like even LeBron only averaged 20.9 on a really bad Cavs team. And I don't think the I don't think the Spurs team is as bad as that Cavs team was back in 2003. Um so I'm going to say Wembanyama averages like 17 points. Um, in terms of rebounds, I'm going to say that he probably averages around like, I'm going to say he averages like seven to eight rebounds a game. He averaged 10 this past season. Think, you know, obviously with his size, he's, I mean, he, he's one of the tallest, but if not the tallest player in the NBA. But obviously, like, you know, that doesn't quite translate to have being a really good rebounder. I mean, Dennis Rodman is considered the best rebounder of all time, and he's a shorter guy. So I'm going to say he averages like seven. I'll go seven rebounds a game. I think blocks is where he can really be really effective. I think he's going to average about 2.3 blocks a game. So really good on that end. And then assists, not really that much of a playmaker. So I'm going to say he averages like 1.5 1.5 assists per game. He averaged 2.4 last year, uh, this past season with uh, his team. And then are we doing field goal percentage, three point percentage, or are we just doing those? Yeah, yeah, let, let's do it. Three point percentage. So three point percentage was not that high. I think he'll probably average, I think he'll average around 30%. I think he goes a little bit up. 
Um, maybe that's kind of like the magnitude of shooting more in the NBA, but I'll say he averages about 30. His three point percentage will be about 30%. I don't think it'll be like 35. It'll be 30. Um, and then in terms of field goal percentage, I think he'll have maybe like a 45% field goal percentage. So I think that's like a solid stat line. And then if you want to throw steals in there as well, I think about 0.5 steals a game. So, right. I mean, that's a solid rookie season. Fair enough. I would say for Wembanyama, I think he's going to average about 13 points per game. I don't think he's going to be lower. very yeah. good score immediately, as people think. I think over the course of his NBA career, I think that is going to go up. Maybe not to the expectations that some people have of him, but I do think it will go up. So I'm going yep. to say 13 points a game. I'm going to say 11 rebounds a game. I do think he is going Ooh, to be. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a seven four guy. Like, I would hope he's able to get rebounds at that level. So I would say 13, 11, uh, I'll, I'll go an assist, nothing crazy. And then yep. I'm going to say for blocks, I'll give him – I'm going to say he gets two blocks a game. I, I will give him that. Mm-hmm. I do think he will get those easy blocks, like I said, with, uh, you know, six foot four, six foot three point guards. I do think he will come up on – quite a bit of those throughout the season. And then for steals, I'll, I'll give him a steal a game, which is definitely respectable. And for field goal percentages, field, field goal, I'm not really too sure. That's a tough one, man. I I don't even know if I can really throw out a number. We'll, we'll just go a fair uh, – what was yours again? Mine was 45%. He shot 47% from the field last year. Or right. I'll I'll go 45% from the field and then I'll go yeah I mean I'll go 29 28% from 3 28.7% we'll go that like the specific number yeah I think it'll be around yeah. there yeah I think that will raise over time but again it's like you know I hear people talking like he can just step out and just hit these threes like he's hitting 40% or something this year and it's like dude he's he's not that's why I have these doubts about him again you know right yeah I mean I both of those stat lines we mentioned, I think is, I think you could say like rookie of the year caliber. Like, I mean, you said he's averaging a double double. I have a little bit, I have less rebounds, but more points. Like, I think that's pretty close to a rookie of the year season. And the sad part is he's basically set up for failure because I feel like if this is what he averages in his NBA career, if he averages even 16 points, 10 rebounds, uh, two and a half blocks a game, right? His NBA career, and he hits maybe 31% from threes. He's going to be labeled a huge bust, and that is not fair at all. So I think know, he could be a bust if he averages about 20 points per game in his NBA career. I mean, it's it, his expectations are pretty lofty. That's why I think people need to mild their expectations just a little bit. Like, he is a 19-year-old coming from France. I mean, even like Luca's first year was pretty good, but like he's not Luca as we know him today. So... I'm just right. saying, just you know, let's let's uh throw a little caution with these expectations yeah. just a bit. But let's Definitely. move on to uh Scoot Henderson. All right. What do you think is a fair a fair stat line for him his rookie year? Ooh, Scoot Henderson. You know, I think he was again like, pretty solid in terms of his uh points per game this past season. He averaged 17.6 points per game, I think, for the G League um Ignite. I'm going to go with him averaging, I'm going to say he gets 15 points per game. And then his assist numbers, I'm going to say 4.5. His rebounds, I'm going to say 4. So, I mean, that's like solid. And then we'll go, I don't think the blocks are going to be too high. I'll say like 0.8 blocks per game. And then I'll say like, or maybe that may be a little bit too high. I'll go 0.5 blocks per game. And then I'll go steals. I'll, I'll actually give him one steal a game. And then in terms of his shooting percentage, three-point percentage I don't think is going to be too high. I think, honestly, he'll probably average about around where Wembenyama is going to average, I think, like 28, 29 to 30% from the from three. And then from the field, I'll say about, about like 40% from the field. Yeah, so for Scoot Henderson, who has apparently just been selected third overall by the Trailblazers. Yep. Uh, Pistons are up right now. I'm actually kind of nervous. We might get. Oh a God, live- are we gonna get a live reaction? Yeah, we might, dude. If they draft, uh, man, if they draft my guy, I'll be kind of thrilled actually. Even though that would be technically a reach, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but Scoot Henderson, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, being on the Blazers, obviously having Damian Lillard there, having Shaden Sharp there, having Alfred. Uh, oh man, you got the you got the insight that I didn't even have. <laughs> What's up? 
with the with the team. I didn't know he yeah, was going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, I just looked it up. I just saw like, I mean, I looked at the hour. I was like, yeah, draft's going on. All right, I'll give him. I'll say, I think rookie year expectations again need to be tampered a little bit. I'll give him fourteen points. We'll say two rebounds, and I'll say, uh, I'll say five assists a game, or uh, yeah, yeah. Four and a half five. We'll give him that because again, Damian Lillard's still there. He's going to be eating up a lot of those minutes, and then I'll say. For steals, I'll, I'll give him a steal, and you know, obviously, blocks doesn't really matter as a point guard at his size. So, and then for um, field goal percentages, I'll say he's gonna probably average. We'll go. It's tough, man. I'll I'll give him a 43 percent from the field, forty three point five percent. I feel like that's adequate. And then from three, yeah. I'm gonna say 32 percent. And I'll just go out with my Brandon Miller prediction while I'm talking. I'll say with him. I think he's going to average 16 a game. I think he is probably going to be the leader in scoring for this class. I'll say he's going to get – I'll even say 17, honestly, because that, uh, Hornets team, that Hornets team is not very good. So mm-hmm. we'll say he is going to get some points and some opportunities. So he's going to average 17 a game. I'll give him, you know, two and a half assists a game, and then we'll say he's going to get about uh, four, four and a half rebounds a game. I think he's going to hit from threes. I say he's going to go probably 35%, 35.5%. And then field goal percentage, I'll, I'll give him like a 40, 42.7%. Love the specific numbers. Um, all right. So for me, for Brandon Miller, I'll say he averages 16 points per game. I want specific number, 16.2 points per game. We'll go with that. Um, and then in terms of his assists, not really that big of an assist guy. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say he averages, I'm going to go with two assists a game. And then his rebounding numbers were pretty good, but I think he'll average about six rebounds in the NBA. Um, and then th- in terms of three point percentage for his rookie season, I think he'll go, I think about 34.5% from three. Um, and then field goal percentage, I'll go 42.4. All right. Love the specifics. I feel like we're yeah, going to go specific. Yeah. We're kind of on the same page with these guys. Maybe we got a few different opinions about All right. the trajectory of their careers, but Casey Wallace quick, give me a stat prediction. Rookie year. Again, this is a rookie year. Like if you look back at shies, if you look back at maxis, if you look back at heroes or bookers, like they were completely different players, rookie years from what they are today. So I'm going to say real, I'm going to be realistic here. I'm going to say, uh, I'll I'll give him nine. I I will go ten. We'll go a nice even number. We'll go oh, ten points per game. Ten points per game. I'll say uh two and a half assists a game, two rebounds, and then I do think he's gonna kind of kill it on the defensive end. I'm gonna say he's gonna get like one point three steals a game, and then uh, yeah, <laughs> three pointers. I think he's gonna average probably around thirty three percent, something like that. And then field goal percentage, I think he's gonna have like a modest like forty four percent. I don't think he's gonna be one of those guys that just tries to put up shots for the heck of it. I think he is actually gonna be smart with his shot taking, and he might he might not score a lot here around uh, his first year, but I think give him a few years, give him you know three four years, I think he's gonna be solid. All right, now I need in terms of how many rings he's gonna win, how many. MVPs, all NBA teams, all star, whatever you want to do. I'm trying to get everything out of you. Let's go. Look, look, to be fair right now, those four combined Hero, Maxi, Shy, and Booker have literally zero rings to their name combined. So I'm just (laughs) saying, look, I I can't say that right now, man. I'll I'll say, yeah, I can't, I can't say right now. It's too Uh, early. How about all right? One MVP award? You think he gets an MVP? Put you on the spot. It's too early, man. It's too early. too early. I can't. I can't say that yet. All right. Respect. 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 All right. I'll give you that. There's a lot but, of good players in the league. He's not just going up against his own draft class. He's going up against the likes of Shy Luca, obviously Durant for the next few years. I mean LeBron while he's still in the league. All these good players, up and comers. So it's tough to get an MVP, as we've seen. I mean, with the Embiid. Uh, Jokic over the last few years uh, and be trying to be the MVP for like two straight years. And then finally got it this year. It's not easy. It's not an easy award to get, even if you're averaging 30 a game. So. Respects, man. Hey, listen, I I honestly respect it. Listen, you're, you did your research. You're all in on this guy. I respect that. And like, I don't think a bunch of people are really all in on Jason Wallace. I bet some people probably have him as like their top 10 one in the top 10 of their big board, but go as far as saying number one player in the class that takes him. 
that takes a lot of confidence. So I respect that a lot. Real quick before we go, do we have any news who the Pistons have drafted? Because I'm like, I keep hitting refresh. I saw Eamon Thompson. I'm on Thompson. He just went to the Houston Rockets. So it's like, bro, this would be a perfect way to end out the pod and like just get a live reaction. The Thompson twins are going back to back. Detroit is picking Osar Thompson at number five from China. I hope I hope there's a trade coming, man. I hope there's a trade coming. We just we just screwed our franchise. We had a oh. chance to get the number one pick this year, and we we ended up fifth. We ended up drafting this clown, bro. Him and his brother back to back, fourth and fifth. The bust. We're just gonna label them the bust twins. It's over, man. I have I have very little hope. The only thing is, actually, I did my research on this. I believe Osir Thompson has a better three-point percentage than I'm on. So, I mean, maybe, but Pistons, we need three-point shooters. We need three-point shooters. What are you doing, man? Honestly, you would have been better off trading back and getting Grady Dick, but hopefully <laughs> you guys are listening back to this later on and you guys are like, no, it's okay. There was a trade that went down. Your franchise is saved. Hopefully he is not staying there, but this has been our live report of the NBA draft. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, enjoyed us talking about this enjoy this content follow us on um instagram rough in the basket everything follow us everything. on youtube rough in the basket twitter i believe it's rough the basket and uh we will see you next week